The world is changing. Education is changing too. A growing tension exists between two schools of thought, between teaching and learning, lessons and experiences. While some believe schools should be places of wonder and excitement in which students are engaged in passion-based problem-solving, many others are holding on tightly to a more traditional view of education, one in which teachers are the keepers of knowledge and controllers of concepts. And then there are those who believe we can do both, that we can both honor the lessons learned and paths paved by the generational teachings that came before, while also forging ahead into educational destinations unknown. We are from this group of divergent thinkers, and this is our story. Welcome to Destination Education When Worlds Collide. In this global economy we live in now, a lot of people are starting to realize, you know, man, you know, I can make good income outside of this kind of traditional nine to five, you know, way of, of going to work. And, and for many, they're thinking, man, there's an economy out there for, for people, to, regardless of where you sit. To, yes. to really generate revenue, like, and, and that was before kind of the lights all went out, you know, and so. Yeah, I have a, a lot of people contacting me, asking me how, how I do it. So now, uh, you know, I'm giving out a lot of free advice, but I'm also saying to myself, you know, I can't, can't keep giving out free advice because it's taking up too much time. Um, and it's a lot of competition. But even, you know, I'm severely... Uh, underqualified I'd say in, in the field just I got a lot of experience and you know my writing helps but you know there's a lot of people that have a lot of coding experience HTML experience there's things I have to upskill on if I'm going to continue to be competitive uh, in the environment because there's a lot of cool things coming out of uh, you know just there's game design, there's artificial intelligence, there's stuff that's way outside of my realm that mm-hmm. will will be the field in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and it's either I adapt or I might be yeah, slow phase. Yeah, I might be obsolete in, yeah. in a couple of years, yeah. Well, I mean, even, yeah, come in. Yeah, Matt, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, even like, you know, being in the human resources side of things now, it's a little bit further extracted from the classroom. But to see, I mean, I honestly easily could could work from home, you know, all day, every day and not have, oh, there's my daughter. Green I love say, oh, it. That's what it's all about right oh, there, Matt. Show, show, show them your shirt. Nice. Yeah. Oh, there, there's, there's Zane. Oh, these are guys comes at another one. He's like, I'm out of here on camera. Yeah. Nope, I'm good. I love that. So you talk about that's this is a snapshot, right? Like I'm yeah. busting at my kids, but they were all around the table and everywhere and spread out. And I said, guys, y'all can stay put. You know how it is. Like I recorded one yesterday, and but you once I start, you don't get to get up and start getting drinks and making noise because once we go, I mean, you know, I'm recording a podcast. And so my kids are, I, I do this so much now that my kids are like, 
okay, hey guys, come on, let's go to mom and dad's room and we can go in there and make noise. And you know what I mean? Yeah. But the reality is here we are, like our industry now has come face to face with our family lives, right? And yeah. That is that human side of what's going on right now and how. Well, and that's like, you know, so, so much of, of what I'm doing, I mean, with the exception of, you know, we've, we've had to do some, some personnel investigations, but 99.9% .9 of everything else I could do sitting right here and my shorts, you know, yeah. take a break, go play with the kids for a few minutes, come back. It's, I mean, I have, I'm going to be sad when this, when this all goes away. I mean, it's, you know, I'll go through, yeah. I'll get caught up. I'll, I'll go for my run in the, in the early afternoon when it's nice, come home, play with the kids. And then, yep. you know, if I need to, you know, do a little bit of work after, after five o'clock, it, it's okay. Cause I've, I've had that flexibility. That's and it. The kids, you know, especially being away at school for these last three years are like, Oh, Hey, are you our dad? That's right. <laughs> yes. I'm, I am your father. Yeah. And so, but I think that's like you said, to see how this is going in the future. I mean, you know, I'm thinking even like small, small rural districts to have almost, you know, like, like a consortium of services, you know, if you have like an HR SSA for a small group, I mean, what, what a great way to have a, have a consulting gig or something like that. So you can just kind of, you know, share those services and I can do, because 95% of everything I do is either an email or a phone call. And then those few times that you do have to go out and do the, the investigation for, you know, theft of services or that kind of stuff. Oh, well, boom. You know, you run out to the district and do that. But then here I'm, I'm back here all day, every day. So it's, I think it's shedding a light on how much of this, you know, inside our own, our own inside my own study, I could be in a global world, you know, talking with you guys across the state or totally. serving, you know, serving districts across the state, the country and all that. It's, it's, it's really neat to see because this is something that, everybody's been so localized and focused in on my one classroom and my one building and my one city, but it's, yeah. we're all pretty much doing the exact same thing together. So that's it. And, and like you said, Matt, like globally, yeah, not only have we been a global economy and this global connected society for all this time, but now I think maybe for the first time in history, we are globally experiencing having this same life experience mm -hmm. together. And yeah. so that just, I think, further pushes us into these realms that some people, this is commonplace. This is their industry. This is their business. They connect from the mountaintop on their computer because they crawl to the top of the mountain and then they write code for a while and then they log in and then they remotely connect to their, you know, office and they, you know, and then, but for other of us that have really been brick and mortar, you know, building here, building there, separate lives, you know, around the globe now, all of a sudden, here it is, right? We're all kind of tapping into the technological powers and really seeing this blurring of the lines between home life and, 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 and professional life. And so, you know, that it's going to be interesting to see where the new norm is on the other side of this. Those of us that go back and yearn for more of this in that setting and push for more. And then those that run back to that setting and say, Oh God, never again. I just want to stay here in my safe little building. And so, cause I think there'll be kind of a mix of both. Yeah, I'm hoping that it doesn't end here with working parents that, you know, maybe that board meeting that you could have, uh, you know, instead of having it in person, why can't you have a board meeting every once in a while? It doesn't have to be all the time virtually or some sort of consortium meeting virtually where you could, you know, cut the commute a bit for people, 
help working parents out. Uh, so it's, it's a lot easier to transition from the computer right now. You know, if I had kids to go to with my children right now, then to Absolutely. have to go to a board meeting or to another meeting and come back. So I think it's going to like, I'm excited for brick and mortar people even more than the virtual side. Like people in my world, they're already doing this, but I'm excited for people like my father in Pennsylvania, who's never worked like this. And now he's reaching retirement and he might not have to go in commute to Harrisburg uh, three days a week. He could work from home now. Yeah. Uh, because they're saying, oh, really? You could, the state can work from home? Yeah, that's Pennsylvania Department of Transportation can work from home. Yeah, they're uh, proving uh, it right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, and especially like, you know, we have four people in our in our department, um, you know, our, our chief HR officer, me, and then an analyst and a coordinator. And so um, we've even talked about, you know, plans for reopening and, and things like that. You know, in the summer, we do four days, like most districts, you know, we do four yes. days a week. And we're like, you know, instead of rushing everybody back, let's, you know, each person take one day a week to go in the office and you yeah. work remotely the other three days. Yeah. And so that way, you know, I mean, we have, uh, I mean, we still zoom probably we'll still zoom at least once, maybe twice a week as, as a department, but that way, you know, there's at least one person in, in the brick and mortar all day, every day throughout that time that can either get something done or get that information to who can do it. Um, yeah. And then it gives everybody else a little bit more flexibility. So I think it's just opening up all these possibilities that, you know, like you said, I, you know, I, I, I commute 45 minutes to work. I'm there 10 hours all day. And then I commute another, I mean, it's, you know, 10, 11, 12 hours a day that I'm out, you know, working the grindstone where I'm, I feel like I'm getting more done here and I'm much more efficient. I'm getting more done in less time. And then still, you know, seeing the kids having, yeah. having lunch as a family and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see somebody do some because I don't we don't have the data to back it, but I, I'd imagine that these virtual meetings are more efficient than our old uh, in-person yeah. meetings. I'd be willing to bet because uh, you're just more cognizant of time, but you get the same. To me, it's almost the same experience. Like yeah. I, 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 I can have the same conversation with you here. It's not radically different. The only thing that I think is different is the way we uh, capitalize on time time the way we think about time yeah. uh, and how efficient we are with each other's time. Um, yeah. Yeah. David, you've mentioned something in a previous podcast where it, it and it was about, uh, Oh, come on, let me get back to it. Um, the, de the dehumanization of people with technology, right. And, and mm -hmm. how we are always like trying to be careful that, that we don't go too far to where we dehumanize people with the use of technology and such. And, and I've just had a lot of conversations lately with people really mostly in the sped world about this, but we've seen the complete opposite. Yes. So yes. far and wide, I've talked to sped directors, KDISD, Frisco ISD, all over central Texas, East Texas, West Texas, just directors, the network I have. And they've talked, one thing they found is the virtual ARD meetings. They have, way, way more meaningful input from parents, from the students in their homes, from, and, and it seems like the technology almost provides an inhibition buffer, if you will, mm. because there's just enough amount of, of removal of me from you and you from me, and I'm, I'm anchored in my safe setting to engage and to feel safe doing so. 
And so, and, and that was something I threw out to some of our directors and they, and they all concurred that like in these art meetings, like they're seeing, they're making relationships deeper, more than they've ever had before. And they said, and a lot of this is because of the therapists going and working tele, into their, or the classrooms that are zooming into the homes and making connections with families and kids and in their world, like we're going to you know, I had the same conversation with uh, Madi, my girlfriend, the other day. I said, my relationship with my coworkers is better as a remote worker because it takes you away from the stress of proximity, right? Mm-hmm. When I was a campus administrator, you know, I wasn't always the nicest pers- person to be around sometimes just because the campus could be stressful. So with yeah. these opportunities uh, have time with you now for a little over an hour and then after this I get to close my screen I get to go back with my family and I get to live stress-free but but we're not in constant do you know what I mean there's not that constant stress of proximity well and I think it makes those interactions more intentional instead of you know me passing you by the water cooler and hey how was your weekend that kind of stuff it's you know like you said it's we're more efficient okay hey let's abc let's get this done um, but also you're talking about dehumanizing. I think, well, you know, like you saw when my kids pop in it, it, it humanizes me. It is. You're, you're not just some, say that. <laughs> some, some man in a suit. It's, Oh, Hey, there's Matt. There's his kids. Yeah. Oh, his, his kids pop in on videos. My kids wow. do that too. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. We we're, we're both humans. We're not these, you know, we're you know, more alike than suits. we are different. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's the kind of, I've always, I've liked the, um, you know, and not that you ever, you know, judge anybody, you know, we, we actually just got finished with our district job fair this morning and we did it virtually through Zoom. And so it's, it's neat to see, you know, instead of these nervous candidates that are, you know, yeah. shaking and handing their, their, their resume to us, it's, they're chilled out in the, in the, yeah. in the recliner in their, in their living room. And it, it releases some of those inhibitions and they're going to have honest conversations and, you know, not try to remember what's the latest buzzword I have to try to fit into this conversation. It's, oh, well, yeah, I do this, I do that, I like this, I don't like that. And it makes us appear more human as opposed to some stiff in a three-piece suit that they see every day. Right. Yeah, yeah and, and I, I think you're right. Seeing your children right now, you know, now I'm thinking, oh, his, his children are right there. You know, I'm, I'm going to respect your time more. Yeah, I'm, nat- I'm naturally going to respect your time more because I see that, you know, you have two children that, that want uh, their father's attention right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they deserve that. So, but I think uh, that allows us to make those choices where we respect other yeah. people's time. Yeah. And it's, it's more valuable as opposed to, you know, oh, I know I have to get done because David has a 10 o'clock meeting with so-and-so at, at this office and it's, no, it's, you got to see family, you, your girlfriend, yeah. your wife, your, your whatever. And it's, that's, again, it adds that human element that, you know, I, I think especially in the classroom, you still see a lot of that because you're still dealing with the kids and the parents. Yeah. But once you get removed at the campus level, even the district level, it's, uh, it's, it's further, further removed from that. And when we're, talk- we're, when we're talking about stress of proximity, that's not just, I think, colleague to colleague, but I'm, wa- I'm wondering, you know, with this generation of students uh, yeah, but I'm on a different meeting who right are uh, digital natives, if we could form better relationships with that physical removal, okay. right? There's yeah. not the stress of, you know, from the student end, there's not the stress of socialization with their yeah. peers. 
where you right, can that I, social I, anxiety that, that like you said proximity uh and really just environmental right just the the the, the stress of the the human right element right the system that is alive within the building right yeah. because you know i think back to even when i was in high school or middle school was i a jerk to my teachers because i was really a jerk or like you know what i mean or was i uh, pressured to be a jerk because that's the culture of teenage right. existence in the classroom yeah. when you're eight hours a day you know crammed into these rooms going from bell to bell mm -hmm. i think i think there's a whole world of opportunity here for social emotional interventions with students. I think there's untapped potential with forming better bonds uh, and, and tutoring students. You know, it's easier, it's easier to do small groups when uh, you could have breakout groups on Zoom. Yeah. It's easier to do it than with the, the, the distractions. There are distractions that are with brick and mortar that we're not, we're not always looking at, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that comment about the breakout rooms on Zoom. Like just being able to use that. Like we like we talked before. Like we, the heaven forbid, the only thing come out of this is that we can do Zoom, right? But <laughs> there are features and there are elements of Zoom in and of itself that really do, I think, in, in increase connection and like doing the yeah. group breakout thing. That you know, and I've seen that firsthand, like in my director meetings, where I've broken out my directors into small groups and then all of a sudden you just have I pop in and out of them you know and and they they are just going like yeah. you, you know because we are we want to talk to each other we want to connect we want to communicate and when you get people in smaller groups they're safe to do that yeah I think okay. it's gonna it's gonna change our conference world you know mm -hmm. I think I think the whole t hotel industry is gonna take a big hit because the hotel industry is used to our big state conferences but now that everybody's going to virtual conference and I think they're gonna see that you can hold a virtual conference and have breakout sessions mm -hmm. uh, and you don't have to fly. Your district doesn't have to pay for travel. Yeah. Like there is actually like a cost effectiveness to oh, this yeah. too. We, so, yeah. we were talking this morning, we, um, we, we did our, our uh, job fair. We basically had one main room where everybody came in and then we sent them to breakout rooms for, you know, this campus, that campus and so on. And, um, once we kind of got everybody placed, it was just me and my, my HR team in that room. And that's, we talked exactly about that, you know, small little Greenville. We're not getting, I mean, we, we, we flew people to Louisiana, to New Orleans for a job fair. We flew people to Oklahoma for job fair. I mean, you, you, me in the four walls, I think that's money down the drain. We're not getting people, people aren't coming to, to Greenville, Texas for that. You know, if we were a, a Dallas, uh, you know, a Katie, a Lamar, or these big time districts, yeah, we'll probably get somebody, but nobody's coming to us. Whereas this way for, I mean, even if we had whatever the licensing fee for Zoom or, you know, Microsoft Teams, whatever platform we use, that's far less than any one of those trips. And then boom, we have access to have as many meetings and interviews and schedule and pulling those people in. We're not paying for airfare. We're not playing hotels. We're not, um, we're not sending people over the place. Plus we can, we talked about, even if we are back to quote unquote normal next year, you know, a random Tuesday in May, we have our district job fair. And so boom, we're at work. We're still getting things done. We're not having to come outside of time. It's all built right in there and it's saving thousands and thousands of dollars just from our one little budget by not sending people all over the country. That's not going to net us any new prospects.
which is funny to me because usually when you talk about technology on campuses, just from my experience as an, as an administrator, it's usually like you talk about cost. Mm-hmm. It's too costly. We can't get mm-hmm. that program. We can't afford that. We can't, we afford can't afford There's this deficit mindset. You can't, we can't do that. You know, it costs too much. We can't make that change. But really, if you, if you peel it back a bit, you know, I could go on Google Hangouts for free right now. Yeah. Right. I don't need a big district uh, right. partnership to go on Google Hangouts. I could send three students an invite through my, uh, you know, my campus email and I could have a Zoom uh, tutoring intervention. Um, you know, it's, there's no cost to, that goes with that. Yeah. Well, and like we, because I found this out a few weeks ago, um, you know, even even as, as part of our, our uh login for Baylor, we have access to Microsoft Teams, which is mm-hmm. I actually like better than Zoom. Yeah. Um, and it's it's free. It's built in. You know, our district is is a uh, Office 365. We have that built right in. And I'm like, hey guys, give this a try. This isn't even an added cost that our district's having to spend for a, a district Zoom license. This is something we're already paying for. And it, yeah. it goes back to I think, you know, so many people, let's let's buy laptops so then we can buy digital subscriptions it costs the same as the textbooks we're already buying. Well, yeah, that makes it cost more. But if you look at alternatives, how, how can we use that technology to replace this outdated stuff that we're already using? Then it becomes a cheaper, more viable option as opposed to just, well, let's bring in, give every kid a laptop so they can do their worksheets on their laptop as opposed right. to handing out the worksheet in, to, to their hands. Yeah, yeah. Are we really exploiting the new tools, the new technologies? Are we really... Um, pushing and advancing learning using these tools. You know, you think about, I think about just even just the analogy of like any tool, like any job having the right tool makes that job easy. Like mm-hmm. I think about like I, sh- I work out here on my farm doing all kinds of different stuff. And from time to time, I'll, I'll approach a task and have the wrong tool. Mm-hmm. I beat my head against the wall for hours trying to do something. And then, like, I'll think, wait a minute, like, I have a huge torque wrench inside the shed or so, you know, and I'll go get it. And then, like, in, you know, a minute, it's yeah. off, you know, and I've accomplished my job. And, but it's like having that right tool to accomplish that goal. I could toil all day long with that old thing and never get to where I wanted to get. And then at the same time, you know, and so are we, you know, are we remembering to pull in, you know, that, that toolbox, right? We have this toolbox that doesn't just ex- include like pencils and pens and calculators and think now we have, you know, the computer and the tablet and the web and the, you know, uh, uh, virtual reality and uh, AI and, you know, and so like, are we, are we, are we leveraging those in a way that actually lead to new learning? Yeah. But I think that's, you know, Kiros talks about the innovation is new and different. And so I think just because you do it in a new way, like uh, I keep going back to, we've had so many teachers that for a while our district was one-to-one and every kid got an iPad or a Chromebook, but they basically, the teachers downloaded the worksheet into Google Classroom and sent it to everybody. I'm like, you're yeah. not, oh, I'm so innovative. I use technology. No, you don't. Uh-huh. You're doing the exact same thing. It's just the kids are typing the answer instead of writing a paper and pencil. And so I think that's why the one thing I hope that comes from this is it expands a lot of people's toolboxes. Cause you know, I had, like you said, 
a pencil, a pen, a crayon, and boom, shut it and lock it. I love going to my father-in-law's house because he's got a 5,000 square foot shop with every tool ever invented. Mm. And it makes anything I want to do easier, Easy. faster, more efficient. Yeah. Like you said, I can say- As here, long as you know how to pick the right tool from the collection. And have, have someone that, that can help me there. Because he's that's like, right. oh, hey, Matt, instead of using this, try this. And I think right. And then you're like, oh, wow, that was easy. <laughs> we, we have a really good instructional technologist person in our uh, technology department. And I feel like she's been, she was on my, she was a uh, strategist on my campus for a while. And then she went to the district club and I'm like, she's great. But she has this great idea. She's like, here, let's come do a lunch and learn. Let me teach you this and teach you this. And everybody's like, well, I don't know. I mean, the way I do it's okay already. I'm like, no, it's not. And so I, hopefully this will help people be open to new ideas to, oh, well, I, I tried that. It wasn't too scary. I, I've, I've never used a chainsaw before, but it made things a lot easier than me, you know, using a pocket knife to try to cut this tree down. Yeah, and so hopefully that, that'll make them, yeah, that'll make them realize, oh, hey, there's other things and let me be more receptive to, yeah. Oh, well, hey, David, you've got a great idea for this. Let me try that out. Oh, John, that really worked well? Yeah, let me see that. And, and to be more yeah. collaborative in those ideas. I think that's a natural consequence of the digital world. It kind of flattens out that hierarchy, the fear of feeling lesser because you're going to somebody else for advice. Because when you're working remotely with people, you know, when I'm working remotely, I have to rely on people who code. I have to rely on graphic designers to uh, make my curriculum come alive. Yeah. Uh, but that that's all, you know, the digital world does that naturally. Right now we're all on the same level. Like we're literally on the same screen at the same place on my computer. Uh, and I think it just, you know, so hopefully people will be less fearful to ask for help after this moment. Yeah. Yeah, I think about like, to me, it's like the question like to commute or to converge, you know, what are we gonna do here? Are we are we going to continue to commute? Are we going to go back and continue to just, you know, black and white, here's what we do. That building is for this. This building is for this. Or, or are we going to see kind of a fusion like a stuff where like, you think about music, right? Music used to be very pure. You know, you had the blues, you had jazz, and you had rock. And, then you had, you had, and now, man, it's all it's all mixed up and jumbled together and you know country mm -hmm. is now old school rock and roll and, mm -hmm. and you know what i mean and so and so i kind of see that happening in the minds of industry a bit you know and in the minds of just common practice is like well, who says it has to be this way and so that's kind of what i wonder is how do we do that so Thinking about that, like I wanted to throw this question out, and I know David, you kind of we talked a little bit about this. Is this yes. idea of CTE? Right? Like, I feel right. like that is a big part of the conversation we're having today, and really this whole like you know the old uh, way of CTE. You know, are we thinking like you know vocational, you know, Botech? Are we thinking um, college prep? Is there even a next wave of CTE? You know, wh where do we land on? on that on the other side of this and has this experience this pandemic this this just global phenomenon has this in some ways reset that course right yeah i, I think the reason i'm excited to talk about cte is because i grew up in you know a, a rural community where there was a tracking like a track system right you had college prep which is your academic route or you had votech 
And because of that system, I'm no, noticing even in my own life as a lifelong learner, I'm very limited because I never got off, I never got that hands-on experience that you get with Botech. But the new, like what I'm excited about with the new CTE is it merges those worlds, right? Mm. Nobody can work as an engineer in today's world without the, the merger of the Votech, the old Votech route and the academic route. Nobody right. can be a computer programmer, uh, a game designer, right? There's these hands-on STEM-related uh, learning activities mm. that, that are interdisciplinary. They're blending creativity. They're blending the humanities with tech right and um you know but but i've never seen it that's why i wanted to talk about it is i've never seen it as an administrator working well on the campus level uh and as a student i didn't get to experience but i see that as the the number one place where we could push the envelope in education at least from my outside perspective because it's not tested right and, and it is project-based and it's profile-based learning well, and that's one thing, you know, not, not this year, but the two years before I was, you know, CT director for our district. And that's, um, you know, I, I use me and my brother as an example. I, I was, I was the, you know, we grew up in the same family and, and I always thought, you know, you go to college, you get your degree, you go into your, to your field. Um, and so I took all, I took, I took the, the college route. Uh, my brother took the auto tech, the welding, the ag mechanics. The, I mean, so literally we, okay, we, we okay. took those two separate yeah. paths. Yeah. And so, um, back, you know, he grad, I graduated in 2000, he was 2003. And so that was still very, it's probably two centuries ago of, of, of what Votech was. It was, it was like you said, that more of that tracking kind of system of, you know, since you're not ever going to go to college, you do this instead. Well, I think now it has shifted completely from that. Um, and that was one of my, my big things is to make sure and take, uh, you know, us in the four walls, you know, my, my brother is, is 34 years old and lives at home and my parents doesn't have a job. And I think had he been able to blend doing this, also with the preparing for a job, preparing for the, the business application of that, he could have been more successful. So that's one thing we talked a whole lot about of looking at CTE as a, as a way of, of high tech, high wage, high demand jobs mm. um, of, of preparing our kids for the future. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, if, if we're preparing you for a job that requires no certification, that requires no training, that requires nothing, then, I mean, we're wasting our time and the kids' time. And that's, you know, across the state, there's been this huge push for kind of quantifying the accountability of CTE. And so that's, you know, they push so much for certifications. 60 um, by 30 and all that. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and sadly, I got so much pushback from teachers, you know, well, well, my kids aren't going to pass this test. I said, well, why not? I mean, right. if this is what the industry standard for that trade, for that position is, why aren't we getting our kids there? Yeah. Well, it's just, it's blah, blah, you know, an excuse. We don't have excuse. those kids or we don't have, you know, and it's like, the heck you say, right? No, nobody, nobody has those kids. You, you make those kids. That's you it. get those kids where they need to get. And so that, I got so much pushback and so much blowback for all this certification talk. And I'm like, guys, 
if we're not getting our kids able to pass these certifications, we're not getting these kids ready to be able to have that post-secondary success. It was just, it was just so much of a kickback. And, and so we pushed them and pushed them that we don't want to test and have everything be just about accountability, but the certifications help those kids get prepared for, for that next step. I think that fears the old Votech mindset creeping in because that system and Matt, you could attest to this too. That system was based on class lines, yes. right? You and I chose academic because we wanted to get, we wanted to make it, right? Yeah. We wanted to, we wanted to make it in our communities. But what what I saw within within my own community was, it reinforced uh, class structure within my community. So uh, students who were uh, uh, not as well off as my family were struggling and, and pushed into Votech. And it was yeah, also have-nots and the haves. Yeah. Have-nots and the haves. And I had to make a choice. You know, I shouldn't have had to make that choice. So yeah, you I, chose other than what you were, quote, supposed to choose for yourself because you were tracked to go one direction, which was probably more the Votech route, David. But you said, hey, I'm going to choose the academic route. And I have to. I have to. I yeah, have and to. Probably better yet, my parents said, "You're going to choose this better." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they chose for you. Yeah, because they struggled in the other. Like your father probably struggled. Felt like he struggled in his career and in his life. Wished yeah. that he had more of that other, that academic route. And you know, the irony being now, the money and the industry demands skilled workers that are that are those CTE STEM prepared people. But it's like you said, David, now it really is a fusion of both worlds. One or the other just didn't cut. Well, and you know, you talk about the, the money aspect, you know, we've had, um, like we had a guy from, I've but some, you know, technical school, technical school come in and talk to some of our like auto tech kids. And, you know, the, the funny thing is he was talking about starting salaries and, you know, within 18 months of high school graduation, these kids would be making $15,000 more than our first year teachers would after they've had four years of a college education. And I mean, it's, yeah. you know, this, you know, HVAC certification. I mean, they're, they're, they're making 50, $60 an hour and can kill it with, with a, a, a high tech, a high wage and a high demand position. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens in our world. We got to have someone to fix the air conditioner. We get to be on degrees. Right. And so I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people have kind of looked down on that, but I, mean, you know, if, if that's something you love and that you're able to do, let's, let's make it a viable option, not just, well, I'm going to sort you down and that's all you're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you're not only, you're not only seeing a fusion of disciplines now, you're also seeing a fusion of K through 12 and higher ed. Mm -hmm. Right. I think as time goes on those, uh, that system, you know, our world's working faster. You know, we want uh, we want uh, on-demand education. We want certifications fast and personalized, no, yeah. personalized learning. There's no reason why I, if I was a student right now, that I have to wait until college to get my certification. Yeah. There's yeah. no reason. I should yeah. have five. I should have five before I leave. It seems common sense, right? And so well, and, I and even even nowadays, you know, we have high school kids graduating college before they're graduating high right. school. <laughs> right, getting associate's degrees and getting my kids, Mia Aiden and Addie May asked, we were talking the other day and they, they were talking about like, dad, so why do we, why would we go through four years of high school and then repeat four years of the same thing in college? 
that was their mindset because I was telling them the difference of, well, you know, here's K-12, you know, and you know, you guys are in the middle of this, but envision those next few years into high school and, you know, with their grades being, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, kind of that area. And, and I said, but then when you get into college, you kind of start over and then you do your, your, you know, your high school classes again for a few years. And then that last couple of years, you get into kind of a specialty and like, they just couldn't make sense of it. They, they were arguing with me. And, and I was like, guys, I, I didn't make the system. Like yeah. I got what they were saying. They were telling me from a kid's perspective, that's stupid. Yeah. Why do I have to learn English in, in 11th grade and then in 12th grade? And then our, it's the same English basically, give or take to a higher standard or something in college is it because like it's just that next level of english english that they need to be successful or is it it's because that's the way it's always been done right at the at the undergrad level or at the the k-12 level enough for them to really be and so then we're going back and remediating that stuff through college and and or what is it you know yeah well i mean the tension there is your kids grew up in a society that moves fast. It's an agile society with technology and technological disruption that changes by the day, as opposed to, you know, when higher ed and K through 12 were created in a progressive era where it's slow, society is so slow. And that I think kids are going to get more and more frustrated. And this is why higher ed is also, it's not just K through 12 higher ed is, uh, going to be facing some problems. They're already facing problems with enrollment because absolutely. People are saying, Why the hell would I go for four years? And you know, David, I've heard a lot of people saying, "Look, I'm not going to start back in the fall. They want me to do remote. I'm not going to pay the prices to go remote and sit and learn at home from my. Like, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do a certification. I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to go do the college experience minus the college experience." Right. Like if I'm going to go plug into the brick and mortar because I buy into that traditional, then I want to go and be part of the community and do the stuff, you know? And, and, but if I'm not, well then I'm going to take a gap year or I'm going to go a different route right now because that just doesn't make sense to me. And so that's kind of a, a, a twist to the conversation we're having, which is, Hey, we could all do this from our homes. But I've, I've heard a lot of young folks saying, Hey, we get it. Like we've been doing the stuff from home as it is, but we don't go there for this. We go there for these other things, you know. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think adulthood's once again going to change because you know the idea of millennial adulthood was this idea of emerging adulthood that lasted for a longer period of time. So, you know, my generation, you know, we had delayed adulthood. I think yeah. the generation after us is going to be like, we want to jump right into that. Yeah, like we, we want to work. We want to we want to adapt, but we're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna go to, you know, college and then a master's and then a doctorate. We're not gonna work that game. Uh, I think they're gonna jump into it quicker. And 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 some would argue that's a great thing. We need more entrepreneurs. We need more work-minded individuals that are resilient, and have grit, and want to go out there and get into the industry early on. Well, and I think we're was tying it back to CT. I think we're doing that with so much of our the pathways designed with CTE, um, pretty much the, the simple formula we have is um, a, a principles class where you learn the basics about whatever topic is. Fundamentals. Have, yeah, the- yeah what, one or two years of kind of getting more in depth to that. And then either you know, junior, senior year, or both, you're doing a practicum where you're actually hands-on doing that kind of stuff. And so it's not like, like we said, you don't go through, college, go through high school, 
then go through college. Then when you're 23, you finally get to start practicing and doing it. Let's start it when they're, you know, juniors and seniors in, in yeah. high school where they're you know, 15, 16 years old and they can actually get into it and see how they work with it, how they like it. And I think it's, it's a, it accelerating that process. So I'm not having to wait eight more years to actually, you know, be, be a, a productive member of society. I can be a grown up and have now. a job. Yeah. 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 You know, we, we have a, um, an early college high school built into our, our high school here. And it's, we, uh, we have roughly 60 kids that are going through. And so they'll have, uh, they will graduate high school with an associate's degree in applied engineering. And so, you know, they'll, we have innovation first that does all the VEX and first robotics. They're, they're, uh, based here in Greenville. And so our kids work one-on-one -on -one with their engineers. And so as part of their high school wow. experience, they're at innovation first designing, I mean, using the, their, their CAD machines to design robotic parts that they put together and then take to competition and things like that. So it's, it's not, Oh, well, when I get to college, I would like to study about some of this stuff. It's, Oh, I had experience of this in high school and I'm, we had a kid who graduated last year and he said, Oh, I, I'm going to a and I was like, Oh, congratulations. And I'm going to study mechatronics. I was like, mecha what? Like, yeah. Isn't and he's like, he's like, Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I've, I've already been doing this. or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> is, that, is that the Decepticon or the Autobot? Right. Which, you know, like. <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, no, it's, I, I've really enjoyed putting these systems together and doing, and, and he has a, a, a digital portfolio already of, Wow. these things that he's done that he can then take, he has, he's coming out of high school with experience as opposed to, you know, a, a lot of us in, in our generation that come out of college and still don't have experience. I'm still looking for that year one of experience to jump into whatever field it is. So does this, does this experience we're going through right now, does this kind of almost reinforce this, you know, like I think about how so often, and I, I'm one of them that talks about like our educational system being predicated in Taylorism and how, you know, the, 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 the rows and the bells and all the stuff that we still see that characterizes so many schoolhouses right across the nation and probably the globe. And, and yet we do know that there is this movement in, in STEM and STEAM and where there is a fusion of these worlds and there is this progression. Um, and so you know, is it fair to say that we are just, we have our, our, our feet firmly, you know, grounded into the mud and we're not moving forward? Or are we moving forward? I guess is my first question. And then the second is, you know, is, is this experience going to be a catalyst for, you know, the, 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 the for that speeding up of this uh, convergence into kind of what's to come next? Question two, I would say, I, ho I hope so. I hope this is one of those situations where, especially some of those maybe, I, I'm blessed. I, I feel like my superintendent is a very visionary leader and he's looking for that. He's looking towards that already. Um, and I've, I've worked with some very stuck in the mud, cemented my ideas from 10 generations ago. And so I'm, I'm hoping that this will be that catalyst to make everyone see that, oh, well, our, our, pencil and paper worksheets and me regurgitating facts to kids all day long doesn't really apply and it's not beneficial at all in this situation for them to be able to go and collaborate on a global scale with 
colleagues and it's it's not preparing for them for that and so hopefully I, that will be a catalyst to make them understand what you know th the future is now in that sense and and are our kids ready and and able to be successful now and what what we've we've kind of this new termed reality or do we need to go back to the drawing board and make sure that when we kind of do come back to all this we're preparing them in a different way yeah and i almost you know when you were saying about what was it called mechatronics yeah mechatronics yeah. you know i think that, that that's my deepest concern about this transition is you know the students have become a teacher and we haven't created a system yet where we're capitalizing on student knowledge mm. i'm not saying that you or me or john's not you know interested in student knowledge but i think as a, from a systems level right it's still the teacher as a hierarchy as an authority and the student but what we're noticing is their world is moving so fast and they have access to knowledge at a faster rate than we ever had. Yeah. That they, are t they should be teaching us or should be collaborative at the very right. least. Uh, and I think that's, we have to get away from that. I'm the teacher because I said so mindset and it's let's do this together. I I'm learning from you. You're learning from me. We both <clears throat> have those valuable experiences to bring to the table. And then the second, like just concern is it takes a lot of industry knowledge and a lot of our, higher ed programs that are creating teachers of the future are not necessarily built with that industry knowledge. Uh, so we're getting a lot of teachers coming in uh, to the schools that, like myself, I had a pretty, probably a traditional mindset of what education is instead of uh, what Cisco networking is or, uh, you know, what uh, Linux is or how yeah. to code or how to use Python. Uh, I didn't have that knowledge and I don't think a lot of teachers do and I don't think that's necessarily all their fault. That's also the like the, the churning of the system. Will that be a natural shift or will there be a natural flipping point when when that's no longer the problem because enough generations of, of, of students have have been raised and when it becomes commonplace when technology really you know, technology will always be a, a, a conversation because it's technology is the very reason why we are sitting here in air conditioned rooms with, with hammers and wheels and, and computers and all this stuff. And so technology will continue to advance, but, but will, will education as we know it just naturally fix itself because the, the kids of today will become the teachers and then, or will that this, mindset that the way it's always been will continue to be this bureaucratic elephant that is impossible to to tip over you know does that make sense well i think we see even as we're in a you know if we call this the zoom industrial revolution right now <laughs> i mean great. we're we're still have the vast majority I, my fear is that we come back august 15th or, or whatever it is and it's going to go right back to that pre-industrialized 1907 classroom of four rows of 12 desks with a teacher standing at the front. I don't, I would hope, like we said, that this would be that catalyst for change, but I think we have so many in, in my district, and I, and I can only really attest to, to, to my district, but we have so many teachers that 
started that way and have been brought up that way and have not seen different, have not been challenged or pushed to see differently that it's going to keep repeating itself. And I think, you know, so much, my, my boss, she keeps telling me she's a couple years away from retirement. She's like, I really want to retire and then go work to go work in an, an educator certification program, you know, either at a college or, you know, mm. or, or an ESC so that we can actually get teachers that are prepared for the real classroom, not just this book says, you know, and mm-hmm. there's great things about book learning, but I always say at our new teacher orientation, you know, that's great. You've read this book about it. That's awesome. Take that book, throw it in the trash. And now we have the real life of, of what your classroom is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to apply that in. The yes. Book. Yes. Cause you know, theoretically, you know, John, please sit down. Let's continue with our lesson. Okay. John sits down and continue with our lesson. Well, we don't know the social emotional needs that John has, and we haven't Not been trained. This guy. No, he's going <laughs> to defy. He's he's going to he's going to do whatever he can. Logos, <laughs> <laughs> inside joke. John, please turn your Quizlet off. We're trying to have class. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that you know, and I think, but still, they see that hierarchy of this is my classroom. You do what I I have to, and so we we have our a CTE wing at, at the high school in Greenville. And that's where my office was. And we had a huge problem of kids coming from upstairs, the other end of the building. I mean, it's, it's a quarter mile walk from this one hallway down to the CTE bathrooms. They're newer, they're nicer, they're, you know, whatever. And so my, my joke was, and I, I keep threatening to, to go at a staff meeting and say, guys, you know, we have kids skipping down here and you teachers are always complaining about kids skipping down here. But if it's more engaging and more interesting for these kids to come to a bathroom and to be in your classroom and participate, that's on you. Whose problem is that? Yes. And that's, and until you make this a place that they want to be involved in and they don't want to sit there and have you spout facts that you think you know to them all day long and encourage them and and be participatory with them. It's it's not a hierarchy. It's we're in this thing together. And how, how do we make sure that we build that, I, I want to call it a level platform for everybody to be a learner in that, that room yeah. at the same time. I love that. You know, I attended uh, a UDL conference at Harvard uh, a year or so back, and the big theme that year was expert learner. You know, and the idea obviously is like that we have, you know, the instructional a principal is instructional uh, uh, specialist now, you know, and, and now is the, the certification in Texas and in many other states have gone to that years ago with the intent being that we're trying to create a system of learners, mm-hmm. right? We're trying to kind of replace the word teacher with learner. You know, I'm a adult learner. You're a child learner. You're an adolescent learner. We're all learners together. And the only way for me to ensure that I create expert learners and the children that are, that I'm charged with caring for is for me to exemplify and model what it means to be an expert learner at my age. And it doesn't mean that I'm the keeper of all knowledge. It means that I know how to find and seek problems and solutions. Right. And that I can show children my way so they can learn their way. And so that's kind of the, I love Matt that you say that we like to want to think of them all as just kind of learners. And in doing that, you kind of empower everybody in some ways to be vulnerable. Yeah. If I'm a learner, that means that's implicit that there's things that I don't know. And in some ways, really it's, it's ignorance that, that we should all embrace, not knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Because knowledge, the enemy of knowing or the enemy of learning is knowing things. When I know things, then I don't have to learn anything. 
Yeah. You know, and so it's like, hey, we should we should all kind of embrace that sense of ignorance so that we can know that, hey, we are all on a mission to learn. Well, and I think one thing we've dealt with with so many of our of our, our low SES and Title One kids is if they fail at something, they give up and move on. And we right. had uh, I was a conference somewhere, but they talked about failed use the acronym first attempt in learning. And yeah. so I think that's we have to build that resiliency of well, yeah, it didn't work this time, but let's how do we learn from this? How do we all of us? And I, I go back to uh, not much I really want to give. Oh, thank you. No credit for, but. I love how he, he called everybody scholars. You know, we're all yeah. still trying to to grow at this. And yeah. you know, I, I used to try to share my my travel. Here, here's an article. I read this. You know, this is something I learned. Let's how how can this be applicable? You know, what's something you learned? How do we put that together? And we have so many of our, our kids that that well, so many teachers that have you know that fact, like you said, the knowing versus learning. And oh, I know eight plus two is ten. Um, but now I can't go and apply that in different situations and eight apples plus two apples is actually 10 apples. I just know that I just have learned this concrete fact. Right. And I think so much of our, I've heard, uh, I forgot who it was. They talked about Google proofing your teaching. Mm-hmm. If they could just sit here and ask Google what it is you're trying to teach your kids, then you're wasting your time yeah. because these like kids that. these days, my, my, my son, when he was four years old, he would pull up his phone. Okay, Google, what is blah, blah, blah. Boom, it's search, you have it, he'd move on. And so that's, that's you know, if we're teaching our kids just those basic facts that they can memorize, it's we're doing yeah. a disservice to them. And, and this is why I think going back to John's initial question, whether you, you said tipping the elephant, why the tipping point is so difficult, right? Like we, we know the, like I tend to oversimplify it. We know the objective. We know the goal of what we want to do with education. But if you peel back the layers, like students are going to learn how to use technology. A lot of teachers who didn't know how to use technology are now going to know how to use technology through this COVID crisis. But how many people are learning again, going back to our previous podcast, learning to create technology. That is something that is a blind spot in my own, you know, in my own worldview as an educator, Mm -hmm. but we need to create that earlier. So I think there are systems you could put in place. It could start at early childhood. Let's make coding uh, a key aspect of education at, at the K through four level. Like you should like that. That's, that should be basic that language that's a language that everyone should know immediately so there's things we could do but the the tipping point's hard because you know i don't think there's higher education programs that prepare teachers or certification programs that prepare teachers to want to be lifelong learners i don't think that always occurs well i wonder if you know you in mentioning coding language acquisition and such like that and you know, I, I just can't help but wonder if there are other countries, you know, leaving us behind in this area just because of our national sense of pride, being American, and even though we don't have a national language, our language is English, and so we are not going to teach Spanish in young grades, and we're not going to, well, we already know, like in trips to Spain and places like that, I've, I've seen that, you know, they learn three languages from the time they enter school, and so they graduate from you know, K-12 school, whatever their versions of that is, like in Spain, speaking Spanish, 
English, and they all learn English because they're like, hey, we're going to learn. We're going to be able to use their language against them, right? I mean, look, yeah. we're going to communicate. And, and, and there's no, no sense of pride there. It's like it's about we want to empower our kids to learn. And so even now, thinking about coding as a language, you know, is, are, there, are there things that may be in our DNA in, in this country that are really strengths in many ways that we are these, you know, proud, innovative rabble rousers you know we are rebels like here in, in the united states in many ways but in some ways has that worked against us and, and even in this area regarding kind of language acquisition that you know that's just another language and by the golly we speak english <laughs> you know and then maybe that's a far stretch but i, just I don't think wonder, i don't think you know? i don't think it's a far stretch i, I think it's you know, part of it's that and part of it is the over emphasis right now on just ela and math Right. There, there's, there's an, there's an emphasis there. And you know, that's, that's because it's tested. I understand that. And I'm not saying numeracy and literacy is not important, but I put numeracy, literacy, and uh, coding and language acquisition, those things. And then creativity would be the next. I put them on the yeah. same level. Yeah. That's what I think that's CTE right there. Right. Wouldn't you say that that's, that's CTE that's blending those systems. I, I think there's just uh, overemphasis right now on, um, you know, basic, basic literacy and basic math. Mm -hmm. Well, I think even within those, I always, you know, I get so frustrated at just the, the, the rote memorization part, you know, in any of those, uh, of those, um, fields that you talk about, if all we're doing is having them, you know, memorize your multiplication facts, memorize how to diagram a sentence, memorize one specific line of code. You know, we have to be teaching in, in all of those fields, we have to be teaching kids how to think and process and apply those. And so, yeah, so now, now that we have our, our math, well, how are we applying that? You know, the, the coding, how are we using that to actually solve a problem? And I think so many of teachers I've dealt with are just stuck in just that knowing the, the ABCs of it, that they don't get to that application piece, which is where kids really learn. And those that are entrepreneurs, those that are thriving, they're the problem solvers because they're thinking and applying those basic skills they've had in across all those areas. So I'm taking my language acquisition skills and I'm learning how to take that and then develop an app that's, you know, changing the world because now we have kids in kindergarten and they're learning three, four languages at a time on their own because we've been able to put those problem solving skills together. Are, are we at risk of oversimplifying and, and people out there? Because I do have colleagues and people who absolutely are completely opposed to memorization and things like that altogether. Like they don't need it at all. And, you know, I always land somewhere in the middle. I feel like for us to be efficient learners. We, so if that's not the ceiling anymore. At one point, that was the ceiling. How much can right. you memorize? How much can you? But it's not that we don't need that anymore. It's that that's the foundation now. We've yeah. got to get that foundation firmly planted so that people can process and learn and engage and utilize their brains in ways. Is that, is that, what do you think about that? I mean, is there still a place for memorization, for math facts, things like that? Absolutely. And I think there's research that proves that, that, you know, a strong working memory is the base of all education. We need to start there, but that has to happen at K and one. You know, yes. K, right. A, kindergarten, first grade, actually earlier. It should be happening earlier. Um, and this is not to say that, you know, testing 
memorization should be thrown out the window. I'm not knocking testing itself. Mm -hmm. I'm knocking the tests that we use, right? right. But if I, I wish we mandated all, uh, every student had to take a Cisco certification exam. Mm, so at yeah. least they get, the, or had to take one certification exam. Uh, I think, I wish that was the focus because you're going to face an exam at some point. Mm -hmm. I don't think you remove the exam completely from education. Right. You have to take a, an exam to be a police officer. You have to take exams to be a nurse. Qualifying exam, that's right. Right, yeah. You, you have to do, like, so. There I has think, to be an assessment of skills. Yes, assessment is good. Assessment is key to education. It's how you use those assessments and it's what not, you prioritize over others. Yes, it's what you prioritize. And I think we should, we could, we could prioritize CTE exams, yeah. early certification exams, instead of beating our heads over this math and, and literacy yeah. right now, which are yeah. skills, skills that should happen at the early level. Right, <laughs> and if you integrate those into other forms of learning, they are a natural part of the learning evolution, right? When you study learning theories and models, right? The more you focus on one type of learning and you narrow that uh, opportunity of experience for the learner, usually what you're doing is chasing the end versus focusing on the means. And so the more robust and diverse a, a learner's experiences to fine arts and to music and to theater and to, uh, you know, the, the, the more connected the brain is in regards to learning and then the interest and the engagement because that, that learner wants to learn and read and consume more of those things to better understand and they all kind of cross, kind of pollinate the brain. I liken it, like I've had this idea for a while that I think interventions for math and literacy should be like high intensity workouts, right? Very disciplined, fast paced. Yeah. Because the more you ac uh, acquire vocabulary, the faster you acquire vocabulary, you know, the more you, the higher your literacy is. The, yeah, like a workout for the, for the brain. For the yes, yeah, it's like, like, let's, let's get the high intensity workout, let's have that part of the school day, but let's make that more one-on-one, -on -one, you know, like a trainer, fast-paced, and then like, all the other stuff, like that, that's the creativity that needs to come in. That, that's the, like you said, the, the dancing, the arts, the, the yoga, like I think there needs to be that blend of high intensity intervention and then this like reckless creativity in our classroom. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's. Well, and I think to, to expose kids to different ideas, one of the things I've been pushing for, for probably three years um, is what I've called just a, a principal's class at, at high school. And so what, what I've wanted to do is, you know, a big focus has basically been to go to eighth grade schedule meetings and say, okay, pick out your future, sign up for your CTE pathway. So as an eighth grader, you're going to do, you know, auto tech and that's, that's your next four years. It's already decided. Let's move on. Uh, now, of course, there's a funding aspect, you know, we get paid more for kids in CTE. And so there's, that's kind of a, a piece to the puzzle behind it, but to basically have their freshman year, every single freshman, have a, I call it kind of a rotation. So they'll go through in this principal's class, they get a little chunk, you know, maybe four to six weeks of culinary arts, of graphic design, of auto tech, of, of, of pretty much the whole, a whole buffet of all those CTE classes 
so that way they're exposed to all of those. They, they learn a little bit about everything and then they can see, oh, wow, that's mm. something I'm really suited to. They're exposed yeah. to different things and have opportunities to experience them. And then, then yes. they make a more informed decision about it. Right. And instead of, I've never done this, but I think I may want to go ahead and commit my next four years of my life to this. They can come in and see what does this look like and how, how can this benefit me? How can I benefit this as we go through it? And I think that's just exposing kids to more ideas and more opportunities and more options mm. uh, is something that we as educators aren't always the best at. Yeah. So, so just kind of wrapping up today, thinking about kind of the conversation and how, um, you know, really the CTE element, this, this, this tail into this, this conversation. If, if we, if, if you guys had one, like if you could somehow wave that magic wand and, and on the other side of this whole experience, right? One realization, one, one evolution, one actual shift in global practice that has occurred as a result of of what we've experienced and what we've learned and and really kind of what we now know about learning, teaching, education, and all like and 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 it can be applied to CTE and Votech and career tech, you know, all that stuff, or it could just be global, but just just anything that comes to mind. I think CTE, you know, right now it's still on the fringes of education like it's there it's it's part of the curriculum but to me it's not the core mm. and i think what we're arguing or at least what i've heard us arguing today is that that should become more of our center uh and and we should try to refine those practices uh on the ground early and often but we need to make that the center of what we're doing because really that's the center of industry right now mm-hmm Right. It is also an economic benefit to our country to doing this. Like if we make this the center, we're going to have uh, there's uh, there's not no uh, there's not a job deficit. There's an employment deficit. Yeah. Right. Great. And making CTE the center will will close that 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 job or uh, the job deficit. Or what did I say? The employment deficit. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the, the way our building set up is, you know, the CTE people are all downstairs and the, the core math, science, social studies are all upstairs. And so there's a lot of conversations at the school about the upstairs and the downstairs people. And it's, you know, I wish we could have that interconnectedness of knowing that it takes both parts. And instead of trying to, to shoehorn one into the other, realize how they all actually work together. And, and I think that's one thing that, you know, some English teachers are like, oh, well, they don't need that CTE stuff. They have to be able to read. Yeah. yeah, yeah. CTE people, oh, they don't have to be able to read this. They just have to be able to, to complete this task and realize mm-hmm. that if they want to be successful, they've got to be able to do both. Yeah. And they've got to be able to understand that we, we took a lot of, uh, I almost got myself, you know, mobbed one time, but I had all of my CTE teachers incorporate English one teaks into their lesson plans. Yeah. Why, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to be able to? Oh, um, okay. Because that little rascal right there is going to need it. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Because we have to be able to do all this. Hold on, we I, we had to hit hit the glass. So I'll I'll be right back. Yeah, Matt. So so jumping in, I'll just say the uh, for me, I, I really, really more and more I realize like, and I've I have these ideas, but you know, often 
you know, I'm an idea person. And so often I'm not real great at implementing my ideas because I'm a words person. I'm a thought person. I'm a communicator. And so I'm not always the one on the front line to be implementing. Right. And, and, um, but I realized really my, my, one of my core values and beliefs is that we have to somehow engage the, the child voice and the child um, intellect that our kids have so many of the answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet. And we just have to ask them. We have to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. We have to enable our systems and our staff and ourselves to not just talk about engaging kids, but to actually engage kids in not just the, 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 the solution seeking, but the problem finding. Because we can try to solve all these problems every day and at the end of the day end up with something that's more broke than we created or have another siloed version which only focuses on one thing or the other. So I think for me, my big takeaway would be just how can we leverage this opportunity to elevate that the, child, the kids' perspective, voice, expertise into the conversation. You know, I've thought for a long time about trying to get, you know, a student voice in every episode of one of my podcasts, just to be practicing what I'm preaching, you know, just to elevate that to having an equal voice along with the rest of us, because that kid is an expert about being a kid and their perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's my big thing right now that I've never been steeped real heavily in math or science or, you know, I, as a special educator, I was a generalist. And so I've learned a lot about tons of different things through administration and such. But I think the one thing that's always been at my core is that kid's voice, you know, wanting to empower, um, kids to really make choices and to have a voice and not to feel like they just have to accept what the system gives them, but they get to choose to what parts to pick out and what parts to leave behind. So I think that would be my key takeaway. Matt, jump back in. What I was going to say, especially for a lot of those learners that have difficulty fitting into the, the pegs and the squares that we have yeah. set up for them. It's, you know, okay, okay, Johnny, you, you have trouble focusing in class. What's going to make that better? You know, it, pull them into it. And I think that's, you know, again, we see this hierarchy of I'm the all knowing adult and you're the not knowing anything child. Let me, you know, pour out my wisdom on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing I was, I wish I would have been better. You know, it's after going through being an administrator and and masters and doctors, it's like, man, why didn't I know this stuff when I was in the classroom? It's always that way. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you know, instead of me jumping on this kid and yelling at him all the time, why didn't you just ask him, Hey, what can I do for you? Yeah. You yeah. Okay, man. And that's, yeah. and that's one of the most frustrating things I see, you know, you know, David, you, you sent the picture of, of the, that student you had that had been uh, arrested for murder. I, you know, I, I, I go through, I get mug shots. I've seen mug shots of some of my former students and I'm like, why didn't we all just take the time to say, what hey, could I, yeah. What, what can I do for you? Yeah. What, what do you need? Not, it's not, this is what I'm going to give this one to do for you. It's what do you yeah. need? What yeah. can I do to help you? And I think that's, again, not necessarily demeaning the role of teacher, but elevating the meaning of elevating the role of the student to be that, that equal partnership in the learning process. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that's highly underestimated in K through 12 education and education at large is just intergenerational learning. Mm. Like I think that could, you could, uh, if students and teachers were forced to learn together, 
that's going to create a, a lot of humility on our end because the student, you're going to quickly realize that your students have a lot of knowledge that, that you could utilize. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. there's, there's something to be said about the opportunity for that. And I, I don't, I don't know how you explore that. John, I'm like, you uh, have a lot of great ideas. I'm not a great implementer. I don't know how you explore that from a systems level. Um, yeah. But I think it needs, I think it needs to happen. You know, I, I'm a strong believer that we have to be what we want to see, right? Matt and I talked about this before. You give what you want to receive, right? If you, mm -hmm. if you want, if you, if you yearn for something, you give it to someone else. And all of a sudden you get that in return. And so the more that we focus outward and expect to see change in others and want our, I think the more we really are expecting the impossible, the more we focus inward and like, for example, myself, I just need to start choosing to pull in, even if it's working with what I've got, pulling in Mia to one of my sessions and saying, hey, Mia, you're going to be the student voice on this session. Until I have more kids, you're going to be the student voice. And I've got to have a student ambassador in every one of these or I'm not practicing what I preach. You know, I think that's where then we create the impetus in others to pay attention and to mm. say it can be done. It's not that complicated. And so yeah, I love, David, that you, you pushed that back on me by saying I don't quite know how we do that because it made me just really, I think, almost mentally commit to something, to saying, you know, I can do that. It's just, I just have to choose it, you know, and so, yeah. One of our requirements through some of the Perkins grant money is to have a CTE advisory committee. Yeah. And, of course, we had, you know, local business owners and administrators. And now looking back on it, I'm like, why didn't it have kids on? Yeah. Why didn't actually pull the kids in to see, yeah. you know, the, these, this is the, the clay that I need to get ready. Why not talk to the potter also and have them, Hey, how, how are we going to work this out together? And I design thinking, get that end user right there at the table and ask yes. them what's working, what's not working. What do you think? That's stupid. What do you mean? It's stupid. We put all our eggs in this basket. Oh, wow. We should have thought about that. It's not going to work. Yeah, instead of coming back, you know, year, two right. year later and it's failed, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, we told you the whole time this was a, a dumb idea. Well, yeah. yeah, why didn't we, why didn't we bring your voice in earlier and we could have yeah. tweaked it, we could have rearranged it, so. Yeah. Guys, this has been awesome. David, jump in, last words. Sorry, I was just saying, you know, all of these conversations that we have, John, on these podcasts, like, I don't, I don't want you, you all, or anyone who's listening to your podcast to think that we're just like tossing stones at education, no. tossing stones at educators. Cause I know like I'm excited and I'm aggressive sometimes and I have all these ideas and solutions, but really like this is a process, John, you reminded me of just being self-critical. Like really I'm tossing stones at myself. I'm not tossing uh, stones yeah. at others. Yeah. I think this whole, like, I love, I love this, uh, specific podcast destination education because it really is about the blending of worlds like when worlds collide and it's really about what education can be and it's not about what it's not and it's not about what it should be it's what it could be and it's really not about alienating the past for the benefit of the future it's not an either or it's all of the above so it really is an inclusive approach to celebrating the work that has gotten us to this point in, in, in evolution and in creation, however you want to view all that crap. But then on the other side of that is now, what do we do with it, right? It's our responsibility yeah. to chew on this stuff, to come up with ideas and to push the envelope. So David, I appreciate you uh, sharing that. I know our listeners wouldn't think that, but I, I, it is good to remind people we're educators, right? We are part of the system that we're proud to be part of the American educational system. You know, every state has its own system. We know we've learned that. 
and in Texas, we, we are doing a lot of great things for kids every single day of differing abilities. And, and this is just our opportunity to kind of like push the system that much farther and, and dream for, you know, reaching the stars. So guys. To quote the, the great Dr. Karen Rue, to work on the system, we're working in the system. And that's it. We have to, we've, we're fixing, we're trying to, to fix the system from the inside out. So that's right. You got to work on the system and in the system at the same time. We're kind of called to do that. So guys, I think this has been a great conversation. Matt, I love that you jumped in. I hope you'll come back. Yeah, in Matt. With us. You know, it's yeah, awesome. Definitely. Definitely. This was a blast. Awesome, guys. David, Matt, y'all have a great day. and Have a good one. Thank you, John. If you want to continue this journey with us, be sure to hit us up on our Destination Education Twitter page at A Chaotic Mess R12 and tune in to our next Out of This World episode when we continue to blur the lines between GT and special education on Destination Education When Worlds Collide. And always remember that courage creates culture and kindness keeps us connected. Destination Education Two thousand